Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Don't forget that we're going to have fellowship uh, December 31st at Our Home in Agricola. December 24th, we're going to have a a Sunday evening meeting uh, just discussing the future of the church and direction and all those good things. Kind of a year-end meeting. Continue to pray for a pianist and a song leader. I forgot to add, I'll add that here, that um, the Luganda Bible Project, they notified me today that all of the, the first five books of the Bible, have all of them have gone through the first level of review. So all five books of the Pentateuch have gone through the first level of review, which is a, a huge blessing. Means they are all ready for the second level. Genesis is really close. I mean, we're, we're probably just a month or two away from Genesis being done completely. Uh, maybe a couple months. It'll, it'll take a little time for them to get to, all, to the review aspect of it all, but it's going very well. Uh, continue to pray for my wife. As as far as we know, she is going to have another baby. We haven't gone to a doctor, so that's why I give the disclaimer. <laughs> we could be wrong. But I'd be surprised. Continue to pray for the Moors. Uh, I did not talk to them today. Uh, I, I really, I thought they might be here this evening. But um, last I did talk to them was Sunday, and they were still taking medication and trying to get past this, this cold that they both have. Um, continue to pray for Nathan and Holly, uh, January 14th. I, I really want to try to make that a special day. Uh, I'd like to have as many visitors, as many people here as we can have. There's Miss Phyllis. Now we can have church. Uh, continue to pray for January 14th. I, I, you know, that it's a special situation. I'd like to make it a special day. Uh, their family will be here um, and just, just be an exciting time. And then I, I just told you about the Luganda Bible Project. So continue to pray for those men as they do that. Romans chapter 1. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, as you, some of you already know, I'm coming down with a cold tonight. Um, that's bad timing because uh, this, this, what I'm going to try and convey to you tonight is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and 
needs to be expressed with a certain amount of um, conviction so that it is properly impressed upon people. And uh, so I'll do my best to do that tonight. And if I fail, I'll blame my wife for giving me a cold. As long as I always have somebody to blame, then it's not my fault. I uh, know, right? Yeah. She's like, I don't want to share tonight. And she's like, I'm not sharing tonight. You just take it all. So, yeah. No, I, you know, stuff comes up missing. And she's like, where did you put it? I'm like, where did I put it? I put it. I left it where I left it, wherever that was. Where'd you move it to? <laughs> And then when we find it where I left it, I ask her, why'd you put it there? Well, I already do that. I just still blame other people. <laughs> uh, all right. Romans 1. Let's read verses 1 through 7. And then we'll see if we can get through this long introduction. And we'll look at just a few verses to back up, hopefully back up the introduction. And uh, then we'll go home. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures. Now, that's, that's important. We, we have what we call a holy Bible. Now, the reason it's called that is because the contents are just that. They are holy. And, and, and But then it... Then it it, it compounds or it continues, it adds to, that, to this, this idea, verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And there's so much I'd like to say. That, that's, that's the idea we're going to look at tonight. I'm really going to try to stick to my notes and not get ahead of myself and be redundant and make it confusing. Verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you, and uh, we thank you so much for loving us and your concern for us. Uh, Lord, we're so grateful for what your Son did for us. Uh, we're so thankful that uh, we can always, we have an advocate with the Father. We can always come to Him and pour our hearts out to Him. And uh, Lord, so much is available to us simply because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We sure thank you for that. pray you'd help me tonight to do my best to convey this idea in a way that would help your people, that would strengthen this church, and uh, Lord, build this house in a way that would please you. And we'll sure thank you for it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, in this present evil world, we are occasionally awestruck by something beautiful, something kind, and something pure. And then we cannot help but stand in emotional silence. Sometimes we see something so good that it just, it just stops you in your feet. It's rare. It happens. But most of what we see in here is uh, defiled or dirty or 
bad. I mean, the reason they call it news, they don't come on the news and tell you about all the flowers that grew today. They, they, they come on and tell you who was murdered, who was stabbed, who stole, who did this, who did that, and, um, and why it's not their fault. You know, it's the, they're, they're underprivileged and uh, white men were mean to them a long time ago. So that means that they're, they're free to do things that they do today. And so, but occasionally we see something that is so good, it, you're taken back by it. And it becomes a, a living example of something that helps you to understand how, just how bad you are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and so you stand there in emotional silence, wondering what in the world you're looking at and, and how, to, how to take it. And then when we see something in life so good that it confronts us and reveals to us without question the depth of our sinful condition. And we realize in that moment that what we would like to be, and, and we, we also realize that we are falling short of what we would like to be. And, and this, this is an example of the good that exists in this world confronting us. And there are lots of things. I mean, I, I can speak for myself. I, I, I'll just assume it's true for you. I wish there are things I did better. I wish there were things I did more faithfully. I wish there were things I did more carefully. Um, and, and occasionally something happens in life that reminds me, oh, yeah, you're terrible at that. <laughs> and now the, the point is not necessarily to reveal how terrible I am. The point is God provides these wonderful examples of something that is good that exists in this world and it confronts us. We're constantly being confronted all the time with reality, and that reality is always going to point you to Jesus Christ and your need for a Savior. Now, for people with integrity, it is easy to take such moments to the depths of the heart and begin to condemn ourselves. And that condemnation will be warranted. It, it would be correct. But it is not the solution to our sinful reality. It's, it's a good thing to be confronted by the good in the world and that it reminds you that you are a condemned sinner. But understanding you're a condemned sinner is not the solution to the problem. And that's where a lot of people get off track. They get stuck in the fact of, and, and they, get, they get hindered when they're presented by something good, something beautiful, something kind, something pure, something holy. And when that confrontation reveals to them their sinful condition, many people just stoop to that reality and, and, and they get stuck there. Well, that, that should be the first step. That should be the, the, the first realization that you need a savior. It's not enough to just understand your condemnation and stay there. All right? Now, a person with integrity will, will recognize this condemnation will recognize they, they, they are, uh, uh, it's warranted that it's real, but then what do you do from there? That, that ultimately becomes the question. Now, there has to be an antidote to the pain, the suffering, and the sorrow that sin causes in this present evil world. An understanding that we deserve condemnation is only the starting point down the pathway to something unbelievably beautiful and good and pure. There is a solution. 
It's, you know, when I mentioned it here before that a, a, a couple of teenagers were sent to me uh, in Africa to try and help them. They're in trouble. Uh, one, well, one was in trouble. One was, I don't know what you'd call it. He's an unbelievably good kid that couldn't get along with his dad. So I don't know what, you know, they were so much alike that they were clashing. But in order for me to help them, there has to be a, a length of time in which I break them down. Right? They have to be broken. They have to realize that you're not what you think you are. And then, and then after they are broken, then, then we have to have another period of time in which they are rebuilt in a, in a better direction. Right? Now, a lot of people get, a lot of people allow this world to break them, and then they're just broken. And that doesn't help. Now, it's, it's, it's good to realize you are a sinner. You are dirty. God said your throat is an open sepulcher. Right? You're, there's none that doeth good. So when you, when you think in your mind, I can't do anything right, you're probably right. <laughs> That's how it is. Okay, but that, that being broken down in that way is the starting point that should move you to something good, Jesus Christ. To something holy, to something righteous, Jesus Christ. We don't want to just be broken people. We want to be broken people under the repair of Jesus Christ. That's helpful. It's not helpful to just be so broken that, that you're stuck there. You remain there and, 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 you, and you, don't, you don't get out of it. You don't take the way, the way out, which is, which is only through Jesus Christ. You can get all the self-help books you want. You can watch thousands upon thousands of hours of video on YouTube that will tell you how to fix your life. And then none of them will provide you with a solution. All they're going to do is, is patch it up, throw a Band-Aid on some things, and you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to end up right back in the despair that you were trying to get out of. It's, it's not the solution. You need Jesus Christ. Now, in the depths of the despair that, real, that realizations of this sort bring, men will eventually find the answer is Jesus Christ. Now, they may or may not receive that, <clears throat> that answer. Excuse me. If they do, they will be liberated. If they do not, they will remain trapped in the depths of the despair that reality can bring. And then they're going to die and go to hell. It's, 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 it really, it, this is the cycle of life. This is the emotional cycle that people go through. If something's going to happen, when life is great, they pretend like this doesn't exist. But then something happens, and then things happen back to back, and they realize, I'm a mess. What am I going to do? Why is this happening? Well, you're a sinner in a sin-cursed world. (laughs) That's why it's happening. And you need a Savior. Now, receiving Christ will make you a new creature with understanding and help from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Rejecting Christ will force you to numb the pain with drugs alcohol, or sexual perversion. And that's why these things run rampant. Everybody's so excited about marijuana coming to all these different states. Everybody's so excited about alcohol coming to their local town, their local city. Why? If they can't get it, if they can't get marijuana or they can't get alcohol, they'll go to their doctor and tell them I can't sleep and the doctor will freely prescribe them whatever they want. And so you have people who are drugged up and they're trying to mask the pain from these realities. And you can't take enough drugs. 
You can't drink enough alcohol. You can only numb it for so long, and then you've got to go further, and it's just going to take you deeper into the depths of despair. It's only going to make things worse. It's not going to help. You will find something to break the deep emotional pain that comes from facing reality. You will either seek refuge in the Lord, or you will retreat into anything that will numb your mind and emotions. Those are the two pathways that everybody takes. Everybody. On some level, either they, they go to the Lord Jesus Christ through his word and they, and they get victory and they, and they rejoice in the Lord and they find refuge in the Lord and they get help through Jesus Christ or they go find the medication or they go find the drugs or they find a man or a woman or pornography or something that will, that will distract this struggle that's going on in their emotions, that's going on in their mind, and as long as that can keep them from having to deal with it for a little while and numb the pain for a little while, they're just going to settle right there until it doesn't work anymore. Now, the emotional pain and the deep scars that come from life in a sin-cursed world pale in comparison to the, tra- to the tragic and voluntary death of Jesus Christ. As much as you may hate your sin, the Lord hated them more. And yet he took your sin into his pure and holy body. He suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane long before he went to the cross. Then the emotional stress of that night caused, caused him to, to come nigh unto body, the, uh, to death. The idea of taking your sin into his body and his father rejecting him brought him nigh unto death before he ever went to the cross. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. There was this... He was a man, and as a man, he went through this massive emotional struggle considering all the things he was going to have to do and to carry out the death of the cross. He literally asked his father, is there some other way we can do this? Think about this. God is in the garden asking God. The son is asking the father, is there some other way we can do this? You know what the answer was? Dead silence. No answer. And so that that begs the question, how did all these religions find some other way to get you to heaven? If if God in communion with God, trying to figure out another way to, to, to bring about eternal salvation, had no other ideas, well, how did the Roman Catholic priest come up with another idea? How did Muhammad come up with another idea? Right? Now, I, 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 would not, I would not encourage you to go to a dead man to get life. You can go to Muhammad's grave today. It's a great religious site. <laughs> Think about that. We're gonna, we we want to we worship God and try to attain eternal life. Let's go worship at the, at the tomb of a dead man. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. They reject Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death, but they'll go to a dead man and say, could you give us some life? It doesn't work that way. And so the the struggle of that night, it it nearly killed the Lord. The emotional stress caused by the idea of your sin in his body brought him nigh unto death. Then they took him, they beat him, they mocked him, they planted a crown of thorns on his brow, Then they nailed him to the cross. The brutal, 
slow, and agonizing death of the cross, he suffered not for himself, for you, for me, for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. He had to take the punishment, the the compound punishment of every sinner that would come into this world, he took into his body and died on the cross for me and for you. The apostles abandoned him. Pilate was too weak to pardon him. And the very people who cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, a few days earlier are now crying, crucify him. Kill him. Well, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? (laughs) Give us Barabbas. That's the world we live in. Everyone knew he was innocent, and they knew he did nothing but help them every moment he was in their presence. Finally, his father, whom he loved and obeyed, turned his back on him. He hangs there on the cross, completely alone, and then he dies. And this innocent, pure, and holy man died the brutal and violent death of the cross for the very men swinging the hammer that put him there. (laughs) And before he dies, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I'm just telling you, that would not be what I would be saying if I was hanging there. (laughs) But praise the Lord, that's what he was saying. That's how he handled it. But something about this tragic event is so beautiful and so wonderful that throughout history, it has humbled the greatest of men. The beauty of Jesus, if you would just look to him, if you would turn your eyes upon him, who suffered that death and yet patiently offers a place of rest to all who are weary and heavy laden. You have never seen anything more beautiful than the love of Jesus. You've never seen anything more holy than the love of Jesus Christ. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our understanding. Lord, but it was because of me you went to the cross. Yeah, would you just come trust me? Would you come be with me? Would you come, would you, would you put your faith in me? me? But do you understand it was me that, that, that caused that to happen to you? Yes, will you trust in me? There's nothing else like it. Now, the purpose of this tragic death provides a means of reconciliation, but his death was not the end of the matter. He lived in holiness. He died in obedience. And then he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He died for our sins, but he rose from the dead, and he did so in the spirit of holiness. Now, multiple times in the word of God, it speaks of the beauty of holiness. It's a common phrase throughout the the Old Testament. And that beauty is what I have been trying to express to you, that which is very difficult to do. How can there be beauty in the death of an innocent man? What, what, what is there about that that is, that is so beautiful and wonderful and, and soul-stirring, or at least it should be? That beauty is what I've been trying to express to you, albeit in my imperfect manner. I want you to see the beauty of Jesus Christ set against our sin in this present evil world. 
There's nothing else like it. There has never been anything else like it and never will be. So the Bible talks about the beauty of holiness. Look at 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16. And we'll look at a few of these. And, and what I want you to see as we look at these, as we talk about the beauty of holiness, you're, you're going to see in these passages a connection between salvation and the mercy of God. All related to the beauty of holiness. And we know, of course, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the Spirit of holiness. It's very interesting. Verses 23 through 36. Verse 23. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He, is all, he also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. That's a bit of a contrast. You made your God. My God made the heavens. <laughs> My God made the material that you made your God out of. All right, so why don't you just throw that in the fire and come trust in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 27, glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Verse 29, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. <laughs> and that's going to be a terrifying day if you're not coming with him. If you're coming to be judged, the Bible says that when he comes back to judge the earth, the earth is going to flee. Now imagine this scene. Jesus Christ comes back to sit on the throne to judge the earth, and and people are fearful because he's coming. All the trash you talked, shaking your fist at God, blaspheming God, mocking Jesus Christ. Well, now he's coming. And so they're going to go hide behind something. But what they're hiding behind is going to flee. It's going to leave. And, and the Bible says that eventually the Lord's going to melt the earth with a fervent heat. So... Uh, Sorry, it's global warming and in a moment of time, it's, it's, it's just, he's going to melt the elements. It's, he's going to burn it up himself, which means you're going to, if, if you're a lost person who's going to be judged by, at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be standing on nothing with a great white throne in front of you and that Jesus Christ there to judge you. Now, here's the alternative option. You could take advantage of his salvation. You could come worship him in the spirit of holiness. 
You can bow to his feet now so that you're not standing there with your knees knocking together, terrified of what's coming when he sits on that throne. And you should be terrified of what's coming when he sits on that throne. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's going to be a a conversation or it's going to be you reasoning with God why he's wrong. That's not what's going to happen. The books are going to be opened. There will be no reasoning. There there will be clear documentation of everything you've done in your life, and you're going to answer for it. You're not going to talk your way out of it. It's going to be a dreadful day. Or you could escape that. You could trust in Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, who loved you so much that he paid for your sins, and and, and he, he was buried And on the third day, he rose from the dead, which which is a declaration of his power and the fact that he's the son of God. And he did it all in the spirit of holiness. So worship him in the beauty of holiness rather than being subject to his judgment. Second Chronicles 20. Let's see it again. Second Chronicles 20. And you see all the talk there around the spirit of holiness about salvation and, and the one true God and his mercy. Look at this one, uh, verses 18 through 20. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. That'd be a good way to approach God. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, what? I, I am thankful that the Lord has allowed us to come to Loosedale. So far, it's been a great place. It's a wonderful place to raise a family, but I don't see that happening. Loosedale is wonderful, but it has its problems. And until I walk into downtown and see people falling on their face before the Lord, we're not there yet. Right. We, we still have some work to do. Verse 21, 19, sorry. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Now, notice it doesn't say it was a good voice. It just said it was loud. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. (laughs) Verse 20, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. I mean, that's a pretty good option to have. Just believe. Like no, Nobody's asked you to do anything else. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You don't have to kill anything. You don't have to... Just, just trust in Jesus Christ is all we're asking. All right, well, so shall you be established... Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, that, that's, that'd be somewhere you want to say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Because if there was... look there, his, his mercy endures forever, but it's not available to you forever. And so you want to take advantage of it while it's available. Now, I'm going to endure the mercy of the Lord forever because I trusted in Jesus Christ. Right? But if, if, 
you're sitting here tonight, or if you're in Loosedale tonight, or if you're in Mississippi, or the United States, or anywhere in this present evil world, and you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, the time is running out. It's, it's, you're not, you don't have many options left. Bow before the Lord. Trust in Him. Believe in Jesus Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord. He died for you, and He rose from the dead in the spirit of holiness. Holiness, we're going to talk about it in a minute. Holiness is an incredible, uh, it's an incredible attribute of God. It's, it's very important, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Look at Psalm 29. Just a few more stops. Psalm number 29, and we'll see it again. Psalm 29, and we'll read verses 1 through, we'll read the whole, the whole chapter. Verses 1 through 11. Verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Does that sound familiar? That's, that's exactly how we started out in First Chronicles. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Uh, you, you tell me somebody else who can make the cedars of Lebanon skip like a calf. Somebody who has enough power to make the cedars of Lebanon run around like a little baby cow. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know anybody else like that. Lebanon and uh, Syrian like the young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest and in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. But the key is you've got to be one of his people. If you're not, you're going to be on the receiving end of, of, a, of a person who has that much power. That, that, I, don't, I don't suggest that. You don't want to be subject to the, to the judgment of God, especially when there's a way of escape. Psalm 96. Let's look at, at one more. Psalm 96. And we'll read again the entire chapter. Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens." Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the, the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice 
and the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Now, this is a, a side note. Uh, we'll, we'll get to this eventually, and, and, and you'll see it in more detail. It's been mentioned a couple of times in these passages, the earth and the world. They're not the same thing in the Bible. The world is established on the earth. The, the world is the, the, the system, the peoples that function on the earth, the governments, the, uh, the, 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 area, the territories and all that, that that function on the earth. The earth is the, is, the Bible describes the earth as the foundation, the pillars, and the world is set on the earth. Now, God said, whether it's the earth or the world, you need to fear God. Now, imagine everything we've read, the, 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 these chapters, these, these verses about how powerful God is. If he was not holy, we would be in serious trouble. His holiness regulates who he is. It regulates the, 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 the extent to which he will go either in the direction of evil or in the direction of good. If, you, if he's going to do something good, there, there are boundaries that have to be in place in order for that good not to turn bad. But then there are times when he said of Israel, I'm going to bring evil upon you. Well, you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be those people that have stirred up the anger of God and caused him to have to bring evil upon you. But even when he brings evil upon people, there are still limitations and boundaries because he's holy. If he was this powerful, he, he had all power, all knowledge, this incredible ability and no holiness to regulate him. That'd be a dangerous individual. But because he's holy and because he's righteous, it, it's, it's an incredible individual. He has all this power, but will only use it in, a, in accord with righteousness and holiness. He has all this information and knowledge, but will only use it in accord with righteousness and holiness. They, they govern who he is and what he does, and he will always do things in, in accord with those. I know we, we, we've got some systematic, systematic theology type ideas about God. You know, we say God can do anything, right? And then we read in the Bible that God cannot lie. All right, so can he do anything or not? <laughs> All right, so, so th there, are, there are limitations to what God can do, but those limitations are based on righteousness, holiness, and his word. Outside of that, God can do whatever he wants. <laughs> you won't prevent him. Satan won't prevent him. Fallen angels won't prevent him. When God says, I'm going to do something, I mean, numerous times in the Bible, I think we read it in one of the last few uh, messages that the zeal of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord will, will perform it. Well, Lord, what if? No, there is no what if. I have decided this is going to be done. It's going to happen. That's who God is. That's why you should trust him. Not only does he have all this power and ability, but those limitations required a sacrifice. Where's he going to get a sacrifice from? He said, I'll go do it. I'll do it myself. You're in trouble 
There's nobody that's going to help you. I need a perfect sacrifice, and the only perfect sacrifice that will meet my requirements is me. Well, I, I mean, I'm not in trouble. What am I going to? What do I care? <laughs> well, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and He sent Jesus Christ, who died this brutal death on the cross in our place for our sin. And then he was buried and he rose again the third day. And that resurrection was a declaration of his deity. He is the son of God. It was all done in accord with the spirit of holiness. That's why God can't just say, you're forgiven. Really? You just, just, and we always use the analogy. You have a murderer standing in a courtroom. They have all, they have all the evidence against him. They have witnesses against him. They know he did it. And and the man says, I, I repent. I'm sorry. And the judge says, well, I forgive you. <laughs> You're free to go home. I mean, it was only one murder. He's never murdered anybody else. You're laughing because it's not justice. It's not righteous. It's not holy. It's unjust. And so God can't come to you and he can't come to me and say, you know what? Here's blanket amnesty. I forgive everybody. Because that wouldn't be righteous. It wouldn't be holy. So God himself sacrificed himself so that we could be, made, could be justified, could be reconciled, could, could receive the atonement. All of that on our behalf because we're a bunch of helpless, sinful creatures who didn't deserve it. And now he says, if you'll trust in my son, not only will I save your soul, you're going to rule and reign with Christ. You're going to receive his inheritance. I'm going to make a place for you in heaven. You're going to, you're going to enjoy eternal benefits that will not be offered to anyone else at any other time in any other way, simply because you trusted in my son and what he did for you on the cross. There is, there, there, you can search every religious book in the world. There is nothing else like that. No one has ever offered anything of that sort, ever. Now, help exists for those who are willing to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. And that help is wonderful, it is beautiful, and it is holy. We are talking about the salvation of people who are sinking in the depths of despair or sorrow and then headed for hell. But then comes along the beauty of holiness, the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus Christ with outstretched arms, ready to save all who who will receive him. The spirit of holiness set against the despair of sinful men reveals a beauty and goodness so pleasing to those who believe. A proper vision of that beauty does require humility on our part. But that humility will provide us access to the goodness, the purity, the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we worship him in the beauty of holiness. It's an incredible offer. And it's made to the entire world. Now, here's the problem. Here's, here's I, I, I don't know that it's, it's not a problem. It's a problem because it's not being accomplished as it should. Here's our part. Once you've received that offer... But now you're responsible to go make the offer to everybody else. And, and every day that, we, that goes by and we don't do that, we are failing the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not holding up to our end of this bargain. 
It is, it is, he's going to hold up his end. He is faithful and just. He's going to save you. Your soul is saved. He's going to take you to be with him when you die, or he's going to come back and get you before you die. One of the two is going to happen. Absolutely. What are you doing in between before that? Are you telling anybody about Jesus Christ? Are you, are you doing your part to get the gospel into all the world for every creature? That's what needs to happen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for being so good to us. Lord, we sure thank you for your son. Uh, it's so amazing to see all that he's done for us. Lord, please help us to do our best for him. And uh, we pray that you would shape us and mold us and help us to be the people you would have us to be. Help us to live in such a way that it pleases you. And Lord, that your will would be done in our lives. Help us to be selfless. Help us to put others uh, above ourselves and uh, to do all that we can to please you, Lord. And we'll sure thank you for your help and give you all the honor and all the glory you so deserve. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.